Hello, and welcome to the Pathway Podcast. Our mission is to help you know God, find family, and make a difference. Enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for coming and checking us out today. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor. And at Pathway, our goal is simply this. We want to help you know God because we believe when you know God, it changes everything in your life. And so, man, thank you again so much for coming and being here today. Um, At Pathway, what we do every summer, we go through the whole Bible. And really, if the Bible had like a highlight reel, we look at some of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. Maybe like if you were raised in church, you, you might be familiar with some of these, even if you weren't raised in church and like this is your first church experience ever, welcome. This is the place for you. We did this for you, so we're glad that you're here. Um, but even if you you really haven't been in church, you don't know some of this. Some of these stories you probably heard on some level in pop culture. Some of them have been made into blockbuster movies in Hollywood, and some of them you just kind of heard in reference, but maybe you didn't know what the reference was was to. And so that's what we're going to look at. Last week, we, we talked about a really powerful uh, story in the Bible that actually happened. Archaeologists, even atheist archaeologists, can agree that this event actually happened, but it was found in the Old Testament of the Bible in a book called Joshua, because he's kind of the main character. And in Joshua chapter 6, we talked about the walls of this fortified city, Jericho, and how worship brought the walls down. Just like what you were doing a while ago when we worshiped, the walls come down. You can go and listen to that on our podcast. You can watch that as well. We encourage you to do that. But what we're going to look at today is is several hundred years after that event. The the Jewish people, the Israelites, they have have taken the land that God promised them, which would be like modern-day Israel, They've taken this land, and before they could take it, they had to kick the people out that were living there. They were evil, wicked, horrible people, and so they took over the land. They took over most of it. They didn't take over all of it, which is a whole message in and of itself that, that listen, when sometimes when you leave the door cracked for the enemy to sneak into your life, he will, and he will cause heartache every time. That's why it's important when we give our life to Jesus to be full on, full steam ahead and get rid of all the things in our past because what happens with them is there's a group of people that they don't drive out. They're called the Philistines. We're going to talk about a famous story next week, David, who killed this giant named Goliath who was a Philistine. We'll look at that next week. And, and, and the Philistines live in what is modern-day Gaza. So if you hear on the news that, that the Jewish people today and, and the people in Gaza are fighting, nothing new. That's been happening since the days of the Bible in the Old Testament. And so they're, they're fighting them. They don't take out all the Philistines. And so the Philistines are becoming a thorn in their side, really. And we're going to look at one of the most famous people in the Bible. It's in a book called Judges. It's right after Joshua, a book called Judges. And it's called Judges because what happened was uh, chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that in that day, Israel had no king. They had no leader. They had no government. It was like the Wild West. It was total anarchy. The mindset was very individualistic, much like America today. It was very individualistic of, well, this is my truth, and I'm going to live out my truth. And if it offends you, then so be it, but it's my truth. And, and, it's, and it's, you know what, I'm going to do what is right to me. And, and, and if it hurts you, it hurts you, but I'm just being me. I'm just going to be the best me I can. And there's an element where I understand what you're saying, but I just want to let you know that that mindset has already been lived out. And actually, when you live it all the way out, it ends in utter chaos. Because when you read Judges, it tells us chapter 1, verse 1, everybody had that mindset. I'm just going to do what's good for me. And by the end, it is complete chaos in their country, in their nation. 
spiritually and personally in their lives. And so God would raise up what they called judges, which would be leaders, to help lead the Jewish people during certain times to give them deliverance and freedom from the Philistines. And one of the most famous ones takes place over three chapters. We're going to look at just a few of them. But Judges, chapters 13 through 16, the famous character called Samson. And, and Samson is this guy that has an, a really an interesting but yet horrifically sad story. And if you want to check out, I just want to read some of the most famous parts of his life. So I just took over a couple chapters, the highlights, so you understand why this guy is so special. And I'm just going to read these to you. Just, just, just lean into this. Chapter 13, verses 24 through 25. It says, when her son was born, she named him Samson, and God blessed him as he grew. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Chapter 14, verse 6, at, the mo- at that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as casually as if it were a young goat. What that means is he literally took a lion of all the animals. My, my kids will tell you my favorite animal in the world are lions. I love them. They scare me to death, and that's why I'm glad they're, they're behind glass or whatever. I love lions. But this dude took a fully grown male adult lion and ripped it from the top of its jaw, the bottom of its jaw, ripped it in two down the length of its body as if it was like paper, like it was nothing. I mean, you go try that. Let me know how it goes for you. It was amazing. Chapter uh, 14, verse 19, then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he went down to the town of Ashkelon. He killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to other men. Chapter 15, verses 4 through 5, then he went out and caught 300 wild foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs. Then he fastened a torch to each of their pair of tails. Yeah, I read that right. So what he did, he catches 300 wild foxes, takes their tails, ties them in a knot, puts a torch right in the middle of their tails. Then he lit the torches. The foxes ran through the grain fields of the Philistines, and he burned all their grain to the ground, including their sheaves and uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive, olive groves. Chapter 15, verses 14 through 15. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph, but the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes that were on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. I mean, that's like... That's manly stuff right there. You can kill a thousand dudes that are trained soldiers with a jawbone of a donkey. This is amazing. Then chapter 16, verse 3. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took a hold of the doors of the gate of the town, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. He took the, the, the city gates in that day. We don't really have city gates, but that was the most secure part, really, of, of any kind of city and fortress because that's the part that the enemy's going to attack the most. And he rips it from, like, the concrete and all and the foundation and the everything, rips it up, puts it on his shoulders, and takes a hike with their city gates. I mean, this dude is amazing. And here's what it tells us about his life in chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. It says this, so be careful. This is an angel talking to Samson's mom. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. 
For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So everything that we read, understand the first thing that we see about this guy, an angel comes to his mom and says, look, you're going to have a son. Your son is not going to be like everybody else. He's going to be different. He's going to be unique. He needs to be set apart from birth for the purpose of rescuing God's people from the oppression of the enemy. And that's what happens. That's what that Nazarite was. It was this Nazarite vow that he wouldn't cut his hair. He wouldn't drink any alcoholic drink. He wouldn't eat certain foods. And sometimes, like, we think when we're being really spiritual, like, okay, I'll fast. In other words, I won't eat food for a whole week, and I feel really spiritual. And that's good. Or I'm going to pray. I normally pray for, like, 10 minutes. I'm going to pray for 20 minutes, and I feel really good. And you should. That's great. Samson, in other words, what the angel is saying, this guy needs to be like that from day one his entire life. 24-7, he is to be set apart. He is to be different. He's not to be like everyone else. Why? Because he has a purpose. What is his purpose? To rescue people from the oppression of the enemy, the Philistines. Here's the thing I would just say. you got to see your purpose. I believe every person in this room, we have a purpose. Whether you believe in God or not, you have a purpose. You have to see your purpose. Samson had a purpose to rescue people from the enemy. You have a purpose, and the Bible tells us quite clearly that your main purpose in life is to have a relationship with God. Not religion at God. That's different. That's just going to church and checking a box. I'm talking relationship daily, intimate, every moment, every day. That is your purpose. That's why God created you, is to have a relationship with him. That's your purpose. Now, then you're like, well, I've done that. I'm, I'm, I'm here, aren't I? Like, I got that purpose. That's great. Now, your next purpose needs to be this, rescuing, helping to rescue other people from the oppression of their enemy, the devil. Like, look, you got to help. And I'm not talking about, like, exorcism. I'm saying rescue them from the oppression of sin, the oppression of hopelessness, the oppression of despair and discouragement and sin to rescue them. It's great that you're rescued and you have a relationship with God. But now, who are you rescuing as well? Well, that is your purpose, to reach other people for Jesus and give them the hope and the message and the life-changing truth of Jesus. That's your next purpose. Then after that, your purpose is to be a really great spouse to whoever you're married to. And then it's to be a really great mom and a really great dad. And and then it's to be a really great employee, a really great boss, and and do all that. Like, that's kind of the pecking order. Here's the deal. You have a gift as well. So you've got a purpose, but the Bible tells us in the New Testament that God has given every single person a gift. Now, that's between you and God what that gift is. But listen, God has given you a gift, but you have to be careful that you don't turn your gift into your purpose. Because very often your gift can end up becoming your own worst enemy. That's what happened to Samson. His gift was supernatural strength. Notice every time it said, and God came upon him and gave him this strength. It wasn't Samson was just a ripped guy. No, God gave him the strength to do that. Listen, God is going to give you a gift, but you have to be careful to always shine the spotlight on your gift back to Jesus not on to you like I believe for me I only have a couple of gifts one is leadership one is what I'm doing right now communicating God's truth I should be careful that it's never like oh we got to go hear Brian this Sunday because he's so great no 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 no. we want to be there because God is moving in that place and I want to hear the truth of God's word and I want to be challenged and changed that is the focus every week at Pathway is Jesus 
Be careful that you don't turn your gift into your purpose. And, and that's what the enemy does. He's going to make you think that you earn it, that you deserve it. Like, I've worked really hard to make this amount of money. It is mine. And, and what God gave you a gift for making money, now all of a sudden you think that is your purpose. And now you begin to worship your purpose instead of the one that gave you your gift. And that's what, that's what happened with Samson. I mean, that's what happens with us. Like, like some of you, you, you really do have a gift of making money, and, and, I, and I admire that, and that's a gift from God, I believe. Some of you just have a gift of wisdom. I mean, people love to be around you because of, of the wisdom that God has given you. But you just we should always be careful to understand that God gave me this gift, and when I am to use it, it is to honor him and to bring people back to him, to rescue people to him. Not to say, oh, look at the money I've made, and oh, look at how smart I am. No, no, no. It's how can I rescue other people? The enemy makes you think that you deserved it or you earned it. No. That's what happened with Samson. Here's the other thing about Samson. you got to see your purpose is that notice what it said. He was to be set apart from birth to be holy to God. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, and, and, and I think we could talk about it every week because I don't hear anybody else really talking about it too much. But this, this idea that's in the Bible of holiness. Holiness is not uh, long hair and long dresses and no makeup. And, and that's fine. That's really just religion. This, holiness is I am set apart. I, I might look like everybody else on the outside, but on the inside, I am different on purpose for a purpose. That, that I don't talk like everybody else talks. I don't do the same things that they do. When I'm around a group of guys, I don't run my wife down the way that they do. I'm going to lift her up. When, when I'm going to honor my kids and I'm going to raise them to love Jesus and, and I want to live a holy life and I want there to be a holiness on my life and a holiness on my home and a holiness on my spouse and on my kids just I just want holiness in my life and that's what God wants and so I recognize that that you when you give your life to Jesus instantly are set apart for God you're set apart by God for God by, on a purpose and for a purpose what is that to rescue other people Holiness is not, look at how holy I am. I read five chapters of my Bible last night. Did you? No, that's religious snobbery, and we don't want that here. You can go somewhere else. No, don't tell me how much you read. I, I kind of don't really care, to be honest with you. Or, or you know, I, just, I was just praying. In the third hour of my prayer, the Lord spoke to me. Well, that's great for you. I prayed 30 minutes last night. It's not about the amount of time. It's a lifestyle. Holiness is not, well, I went to church and now I'm holy. No, no, no. It's a lifestyle of being different. Why? Not to look at how holy I am. That's what religious people do. But to bring people to Jesus and rescue them for him got to see your purpose. And here's the, here's the next thing. you got to stay focused. Notice this in chapter 16, verses 15 through 21. This is towards the end of, of Samson's career of his life. And he meets this Philistine woman named Delilah. Chapter 16, verses 15 through 21 says this. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't even share your secrets with me? You have made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would be as weak as anyone else. 
Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. And his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. Wake up. Or when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Notice how heartbreaking this is. Remember at the beginning, all the great things that I read about you that he did. I mean, all like what, what potential his life was supposed to be. He was set apart by God for God to be holy, to be different, to rescue people, to rescue the Jewish people from the oppression of the enemy. And now what do we find him? He is trying to marry one of the enemy. This isn't the first time, by the way. If you go back and read chapter 14, he was getting married to a Philistine woman and like right at the altar some crazy things happen but in other words Samson instead of this is so important instead of rescuing people from the enemy he is marrying into the enemy why he lost his focus and notice what it said in verse 20 Samson thought I will do as if every other time and shake myself free but he didn't realize God had left him why? He lost his focus. Can I just say this? The, the, the source of Samson's strength was never in his hair. It was in God's ability. And notice what we read all those verses. It never said, and his hair magically glowed, and he had supernatural strength to lift the lion apart. No. It said God stirred within him. Listen, he lost his focus. Instead of focusing on his purpose of what God had called him to do, he begins to lose his focus and get distracted on the enemy. I just say this, that he's trying to marry into the enemy, instead of rescuing them, he loses his focus. What Samson has actually done is made what the Bible would call an idol out of women, especially Philistine women. Now, we don't really worship idols in America. At least we shouldn't, and, and that's wrong, and that's bad. And, and Samson's not worshiping a statue. That's what an idol is. It's, a, it's some kind of a physical statue that people worship in place of God, and they're fake. They're made by humans, so they can't really do anything. But, but just follow me. Samson, what he's doing here, notice the, the, the verbiage that the, the text says in chapter 16, that, that she wore him down. And finally, Samson gave him all of his heart. He shared all of his secret that, oh, it's in my hair. No, Samson, it's not. It's in God's presence on your life. But what Samson has done really is realize Delilah's threatening to leave me. I can't live without Delilah. I've got to have her. And whatever it takes to keep her in my life, that's what I will do. I mean, I'll tell her every secret that I have. I'll give her my social security number, my ATM bank code, whatever it is. I can't live without her. We have to be careful that we're not just like Samson. That you could take everything from my life, but not my job, not my career, not my relationship. Man, don't take my money, whatever it is in my life. Like, I'll give everything. I can't live without this one thing. I have to have it. You're worshiping an idol. 
Because there's only one thing in your life that you literally can't live without. And that's the one giving you breath in your lungs right now, God. Delilah wasn't keeping Samson alive. Your job is not keeping you alive. God is the one putting breath in your lungs. Quite literally, he is the only one you can't live without. we got to be careful that we're not just like Samson. That when things come along, and, and here's how you know it's an idol. It starts off as a good thing. You know, Delilah, she wasn't the best, but better than nothing, I guess. Delilah, but he's turned it into a God thing. There's only one God thing in our life, and that is God himself. We just got to be careful of what maybe in our life is there something that if it was taken from you, you just say, man, that's it. I couldn't do it. I would say that might be an idol. And look, as great as family is, maybe it's that. Like, I just really want to spend time with my, and look, I, some of our staff, and they're going to go unmentioned, they make fun of me because I say a lot, my family is my hobby. And that's true. I, I like to play golf, but it's not necessarily my hobby. I like to work on stuff. It's not necessarily my hobby. My family is. But can I tell you, there's no better place for me to bring my family than in the presence of God every single week, right? Like that's like showing them that I love them. I mean, more than just, well, I love my family time. We're going to go to the lake. And that's okay. But, but when that becomes more important than bringing my family into the presence of God every single week, I've turned my family time into an idol. Are you saying we shouldn't have family? No, no, no. But I'm telling you, when you make God the center of your family, you'll be surprised at the quality family time you're going to have as a result of that. You've got to be looking out for what you make an idol. Here's the thing. Maybe many of us, we can't think straight because we can't even see straight. Samson, we find him at the end at a place in his life where he is not thinking straight. He's not thinking correctly because he's lost his focus. He can't even see straight. Like that's the problem. Maybe you're in a situation where you're losing sleep at night and you're stressed and you're worried and you don't know what to do and you don't know what's going to happen next and you can't even think straight about this issue because you're losing Losing your focus, you can't even see straight anymore. And I would just say this. As we said last week, anytime the Bible repeats itself, you really need to pay attention. Because most often that's the main idea of what the Bible is trying to communicate to us. Remember what I said in chapter 1, verse 1 of, of Judges. It says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And now notice here, if you were to read the life of Samson, there's three different times where it mentions his eyes. One in chapter 14, when he sees this Philistine woman that he wants to marry, it says that he saw her and he had to have her. And now with Delilah, it says earlier, we didn't read it for time's sake, but when he saw Delilah, he had to have her. Notice it's his eyes. And notice what's the one thing that they do to him when they capture him. They don't cut off his arms. I mean, he's known for his strength, right? That's what you would think you would do logically. If he's known for having really big muscles, we'll cut off his arms. No, they gouge out what? His eyes. Jesus says this in the New Testament, uh, in Matthew, as we said earlier, Matthew was a follower of Jesus, and he writes the, the book of Matthew, uh, life, the life of Jesus in the New Testament. And, and Jesus says this in chapter 6, that your eye is the lamp of your body. In other words, be careful what you allow in because that will illuminate good or bad everything else in your life. My question to you is, what are you looking at and have you lost focus of the main thing that you should be looking at? 
See, for Samson, he lost his focus. His focus was to be God and to be rescuing people from the Philistines. Instead, he gets distracted, and he is looking at the Philistines and marrying them, and he's ignoring God. I just, I just say this, that, that we have to be careful at what you make an idol out of. You've got to be careful as to what you're looking at. For Samson, it was his eyes. I, I would just say this. We, we talked about this a little bit last week that, Whatever you look at, I believe you'll become. When you look at politics all the time, you're going to be consumed with that. And before you know it, you're not talking about the goodness of God out of your mouth. You're talking about how this person is bad and that group of people is horrible. And if we could just pass this right policy, then that would change them. And, and before you know it, if you're looking at money, you're consumed with money. You're not talking about the goodness of God and how his mercy and his grace has changed you. You're talking about how you're going to make more money and what you're going to do with the money that you've made. If you're not careful, that you look at social status and I want to be bigger and better and I want to have more and you begin to talk about that you got to be careful that's why a lot in in psalms which are a collection of poems and psalms songs in the old testament about God very very often they will say magnify God in other words what's a magnifying glass it makes something small really large so it fills up the entire frame that's what it means and as we said last week to worship that when I'm worshiping I am making God bigger in my life I am magnifying him he is my focus that's why worship is important that's why being here is important because you're allowing God to fill up the frame of your vision that you can't see your problem anymore it might still be there but you're not focused on it you can't see that discouragement anymore the oppression of the enemy all you can see is the goodness of God because that is your focus what are you focusing on and maybe you're more consumed with the enemy and I would just say this Magnify God. Magnify God's goodness. Anytime I have a, an issue or a problem pop up, I just begin to think about God's goodness. I say it out loud. I read the Bible. I listen to worship music. Why? Because what I'm doing is, if I'm not careful, the enemy will come in and begin to push me down and begin to try to make God smaller in my life. And I'm more consumed and focused on the problem than I am the goodness of my God. But when I can begin to magnify God, all of a sudden, that, that little spot begins to get bigger and bigger. And it pushes the enemy out of my life. You have to magnify God. Notice with Samson, here's a guy that, that starts off, he's supposed to see for God. He's supposed to be the man that, that is focused on God. And yet at the end, he's focused on the enemy and they take his eyes. Here's a man that had truly supernatural strength. I mean, he was just a, a really strong guy that God gave him that strength. But he's spiritually extremely weak. And in the end, he becomes physically weak as well. Notice how often the Bible does the opposite like that. Instead of being strong like he's supposed to be, he's spiritually weak. Instead of oppressing the enemy and fighting and killing the enemy, he's now captured by the very people he's supposed to deliver them from. So listen, today, maybe you find yourself in that situation. Maybe you would say, yeah, that's, that's me. I, I've lost my focus, and I can't think straight. I can't see straight. I'm focusing on the wrong thing. I don't know what to do, and, and, and it just seems like this problem is getting bigger and bigger, and, and I've just lost my focus. The good thing is it doesn't end there. 
I would tell you this, if you've lost your focus in life, and maybe you don't even believe in God at all, and we welcome you here, this is a place we want you to be, I'm just asking you, just try this, because you truly have nothing else to lose. You've tried everything else, and it's failed, and it's probably made it worse. Here's the thing, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Notice what it says at the end in chapter 16. Verse 26 through 30. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hand on the two cinder pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and on all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. I find it really comforting that Samson, at the end, he's captured away. Instead of breaking chains, he's led in chains. And there's this big Philistine party. There's 3,000 of them, people on the roof, people down below. They're breaking the fire codes. I mean, just packing people in there. And they're, they're having this party, and they're worshiping their false god named Dagon. And, and as they're there, they bring Samson out to make fun of him, and he can't see. And he puts his hands against the two main supporting columns that support the entire structure. And he prays God just one more time. And he pushes them apart fall down. Here's what that tells me about God. Notice what he said in verse 28. He prayed, God, rescue me one time. In other words, he's saying, God, I was wrong. I have messed up. I sinned. I'm sorry. That's the, that's the concept that we see there. And notice what God does. God doesn't come to Samson and say, Samson, you should have known better. Samson, you got yourself into this, you get yourself out. Samson, I told you not to mess with him, and oh, now that you're in trouble, you really call on me, you really need me? No. When Samson cries out to God, God immediately hears him and gives him strength and rescues him. The encouragement for you and I today is that you can be in the middle of your mess, the middle of your sin, hopelessness and despair. You can't see up from down. You're blind by your own mistakes and you don't know what to do. The encouragement is look to Jesus and when you look to God, he will rescue you. He will restore you and he will turn your greatest sin into your greatest victory. That's what God did with Samson. His greatest sin, God used it as his greatest victory. He killed more in his death than he did in his life. What that also tells me is that God restored him to his purpose. Listen, it's never too late with Jesus. I just want to say that again. It's never too late. Other people might have given up on you. They may have quit. They may have written you off. But with Jesus, it's never too late. And it's not about, well, God says you got to jump through all these hoops. No. All he says is just cry out to me right here. Samson, I never left you. You left me. But I'm right here with you in this place. God is right with you. Just cry out to him. And he's there. What was his purpose? To destroy the Philistines. And in the end, God restored him to his purpose. God will help you see your purpose when you see Jesus first. 
That's what he does with Samson. The thing that's interesting, as we said before, all of human history is focused on one person. That is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that split time in half. He's the only one that that physically died and rose again and is coming back. And it's all about Jesus. I mean, the whole Bible, cover to cover, is about Jesus. He's on every page if you look. Samson and Jesus have a couple things in common and a couple things very opposite. You know what they have in common is both of them, before they were born, an angel visits their mom and says, a little while from now, you're going to have a baby boy. And your baby boy is supposed to be special, and he's going to be different. And notice, if you were to read Matthew, again, as we've talked about, the the first couple chapters, what did we say in the beginning of Samson? The angel says almost word for word the same thing. Your son is going to deliver people. For Samson, deliver people from the Philistines. But Jesus, the angel says, deliver people from sin. That's kind of where the similarities stop because Samson uses his gift, uses his strength for himself. Samson never one time that we read about tries to really rescue the Jewish people, the Israelites. Instead, the only time we really see him use his strength is when he gets himself into hot water, when he gets in trouble. In other words, he uses it selfishly. It's all about him. So that we think we're not better at times. I've been very selfish. But with Jesus, this is important. Jesus had greater strength than Samson ever had. Because every time Samson was tempted, he gave in. But every time Jesus was tempted, he resisted. Samson used his strength for himself. But Jesus gave away his strength to us on the cross. In fact, when he's dying, people around Jesus, one of the people next to him being executed, said, if you're really who you say are, why don't you use your supernatural power to rescue us out of the situation we're in? But Jesus doesn't do it. He could have. I would have. But Jesus didn't. He willingly let go of his strength, and he gives it to you and I. In fact, Jesus says that. He says, greater works, greater things will you do than I did. I am giving you my power through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives it away. Samson tells us that your strength on your own is never enough. The lesson of Samson is strength is great. Maybe it's I've got the mental strength. I've got the grit. I've got the talent. I'm going to grind it out. I've got strength of character and that's great, but it's not enough. Only Jesus can rescue you. Here's the thing with Samson. I I think really at the end, as we see him at the end of chapter 16, who would want him at this moment? I mean, he's really been chewed up and spit out. I mean, Samson was once a really famous guy, a really great hero, but now what Samson has done is he's, he's lost his eyes, and if he was to be released, he'd be a beggar. There's no social security. There's no, there's no safety net. He would be a beggar being poor the rest of his life. Where's Delilah? She doesn't want him anymore. Where's the Jewish people? He was their, their judge, their champion, their savior, their rescuer. They're not coming to get him. The Philistines, he's trying to marry into them. They make fun of him. Samson is used and abused. 
The question is, maybe you feel like that for you today. Maybe you feel like your life, I've been used and abused. I have nothing left to give. I have nothing left to offer. Who would want me now? I mean, I thought this thing would work out, and it left me worse off. Who would want me? I've got nothing to give. The answer is what we see with Samson. God wants you. Jesus wants you. You might feel like everybody else has given up and they've quit and they don't want you and they've rejected you. But Jesus, Jesus wants you so bad. He has died to have you and he would do it again and again and again just for you because he loves you that much. You're not alone. Jesus wants you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the truth of what we see with the life the real life of Samson. This isn't just some children's story that's make-believe. This is a real person that actually lived, a real event that actually happened. And God, you wrote it down to teach us these important lessons today, to see our purpose, to not get distracted, but when we do, to look to Jesus. Well, we are so glad that you joined us for this episode of the Pathway Church Podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. And if you would like to connect with Pathway Church, text CONNECT to 400-405-0339 today. And one of our staff members will be in touch with you as soon as possible. We can't wait to see what God is doing in your life. We hope that you know God, find family, and make a difference. Have a great week.